Welcome to Wellbeing with Manny in conversation with. What we hear and listen to throughout our day can shape how we feel. If we feed and nourish our soul with wholesome conversations from everyday people filled with positive stories, we may feel less alone and even inspired. We're all working through our own stuff and sometimes you need to hear that you are doing amazing, which you are. Wellbeing with Manny in conversation with is listening to others talk about how they have journeyed life so far, how they keep their well-being in check and how they keep their mindset positive. This is not always possible, but sometimes they share some really good tips on how they improve their well-being just for those days when they're not feeling quite the ticket. Welcome to this Wellbeing with Manny in conversation with community. I really just wanted to build something special that people can feel part of, feel seen and feel valued. Some of the people we speak to have really inspirational stories and hopefully it can resonate with you, make you stop, reflect and also just pick up some top tips along the way. So thank you again for being here and thanks for sharing your time with us. Here's the show. everyone just jumping in to give a quick shout out to the sponsor of this series of well-being with Manny in conversation with and that's the amazing IA hair and beauty now I don't know about you but as someone who has a very busy life with lots going on an hour hair or beauty appointment can feel like a real treat an absolute essential non-negotiable bit of self-care Sometimes I know that all I need is a fresh French manicure to make me feel a bit brighter. I don't think we should underestimate these little acts of kindness and the impact that they have in our busy lives. So we have a special treat for you, a 15% one-time code across all the IA hair and beauty range. So if that's a gel polish or beautiful nail art and you just need to jump over to Instagram to see the amazing nail art that Isabel does or a fresh new trim or colour then IA Hair and Beauty is the best. Go to IA Hair and Beauty on Instagram or Facebook and DM Isabel quoting the podcast for your 15% off treat. Enjoy! Welcome back to Wellbeing with Manny in conversation with thank you so much for coming back and joining us uh, with this wonderful episode that we have coming up for you. So today we have the wonderful Adam Bambra from Wellbeing in the Arts, which is an incredible organization supporting the health and well-being of people within our industry. But even if you're not within our industry, there'll be some absolute gems for you today. So we welcome Adam. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for joining us. So for anybody out there who doesn't know who you are and what it is that you do, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, well, I'm the founder um, of Wellbeing in the Arts and Wellbeing in the Arts provides mental health and well-being support to the arts industry. Fabulous. And um, a big question that I always ask to start with is, what does well-being mean to you? Um, I think for me, the word well-being has evolved over over my life. But what it, I think it means to me now is is a level of awareness of myself, um, an ability to listen to myself and what I need in the moment. Um, I was quite recently diagnosed with ADHD, 
And that's made a lot of sense to me because when I look back through my life, I have all the um, kind of textbook um, challenges that come with ADHD, like an inability to kind of concentrate. I find it hard to take in information. Uh, focus is quite challenging for me, etc. And one of the big ones is, is brain fog. And I would spend hours just staring at a book or a computer screen, unable to move forward and really beat myself up, beat myself up over it. Um, but now I'm very aware that it's a symptom of, of, of my neurodiversity. And I listen to that and I just go and do something else for a while then come back to it. So for me, it's definitely self-awareness, self-management. Mm. And I think it's understanding and accepting myself for who I am. Um, whereas before, I think there was always an image of myself I wanted to be. And the, the challenges was always found in the middle between the gap of who I am and who I want to be. Mm. And I've just narrowed that gap quite a lot. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. This um, this um, late diagnosis of ADHD. It seems to be sort of story that I'm hearing quite often. And um, yeah, a friend of mine who I interviewed a couple of weeks ago for the podcast. I don't know which in which order it'll come out. Whether you'll be first or she'll be first. She was the same. She said throughout her life she just felt completely broken and that she wasn't really a full person and people want expected so much of her and she didn't really understand how to put that together and she's had a recent diagnosis in her late 40s so it's definitely something that's being missed somewhere um yeah i think it there's been a real um spike since lockdown as well yeah. so i know the waiting list to have an, a, for, a formal assessment for adhd are huge at the moment both privately and on the nhs people have just perhaps at that moment to kind of think about the way they kind of respond to situations or, mm-hmm. and, um, and I've given it a bit more thought and come up with the idea that there might be some neurodiversity there and then explored yeah. it. And then these kind of diagnoses have, have really gone through the roof. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, so what I'd love to do is, is take you right back. So obviously um, there's some really poignant things that you say on the website about um people talking about a defining moment that that happened and which led to um some level of mental health difficulty and actually for you you don't feel that there was that um and that that you know perhaps people who are searching for that it can just be there for some people and I wonder if you could just if you if you don't mind sharing with us taking us back to your story and how you came to um you know be wanting to help other people who were in a who were in a similar situation to you and you didn't feel like there was enough support for you yeah sure I mean it's quite a long story but I'll try and make it no 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 (laughs) full out um so I can remember my first um my first episode of depression as I understood it was when I was probably around 18 and went to university and found myself very out of my depth. I came from a small village in, in rural Yorkshire um, and went to university in Birmingham and just wasn't prepared for it. Um, I struggled socially. I really struggled with the work and I just became more and more depressed. It was a real dark cloud that came over me and I would spend days in bed. Um, I lost kind of all kind of social contact. I just walk around the city by myself for hours on end and that depression has stayed with me I would say throughout all of my life I've learned to manage it and we go back to increase self-awareness so I can see when it's coming and take steps 
to kind of keep it at arm's length, but it's always there. Um, and the same with um, anxiety as well. I struggle with anxiety. Understanding ADHD a bit more now, I know having that neurodiversity leaves the door open for more mental health illnesses like depression, anxiety, etc. Um, but when I was an actor, I mean, my background was I was an actor for about 15 years, mostly um, theatre here in London, touring as well. Um, it was really prominent throughout my whole career and I kept it to myself. Um, I remember so many rehearsals or productions where it was a real struggle just to get to the rehearsal room or to get myself on stage. But actually acting was the best drug I could find to counter the depression. Just being somebody else for a two hour period um, was the relief I was looking for. And then I'd come off stage and then after about half an hour, I would just kind of fall off a cliff and back into my, what had become my kind of natural depressive state. And um, I think the anxiety was also really tough. There were so many auditions I just didn't actually attend because I would get to the door of the audition room, put my hand on the door handle and just not be able to go in. I was just so, um, so anxious and shaking and nervous and I would literally just run out of the room so I lost out on so many opportunities because of my mental health and it was a time when I didn't know what it was really um, just things I had I just thought it was my character and I was really harsh with myself afterwards um, and then when I did my last play in London I, I can remember being in the wings and I was about to go on stage I got quite a good billing about third billing I think in the play got a three months run ahead of me and I just did not want to go on. I literally did not want to go on. I thought I want to be anywhere else but here. And I can remember thinking about all the other actors who A, had auditioned for the part or would love to be in this place. And I thought, okay, when I get through this run, that's it for me. So that was it. I finished my last performance and, and finished my acting career. And I, I haven't regretted that for a second. And then I took a job running a small theatre charity. And my role became traveling around the UK and meeting people who come forward, they need help. It could be to feed their children, pay their rent, buy clothes for themselves. And I would go have a cup of coffee with them and get an understanding of their situation. And I met about 3000 people I worked out. And it was really interesting how many people I met who had undiagnosed underlying mental health issues and how many people I met who had similar stories to my own. So it really got me thinking about what I could do to help people. And I started by um, writing a book because my degree was in English. I started to write a book and I wanted to showcase um, the stories of people who work in the industry, keep it ticking over, but do so with mental health issues and celebrate them and try and break down the stigma that exists in the industry. A stigma I'd seen where I'd seen casting directors, producers literally put black marks next to people who had got mental health issues because they were deemed to be trouble or they could be high risk on a production that was quite tight financially, etc. And I started writing this book and I met people, I interviewed them, and then I wanted to have a chapter where I could signpost people to support. So I spent a good four or five months researching every single arts organization I could speak to, hundreds of them. And my overall conclusion was that there was a complete lack of support for people with mental health issues in the arts. Mm. And there's a couple of themes always came to the fore in our discussions. One, people don't like speaking to their employer about their mental health, particularly not freelancers for fear of that black mark against their name and perhaps they won't get to work again. 
Two, I think it's a lack of awareness, understanding of mental health issues. I certainly had it in my career. And three, the NHS just wasn't able to cope with the demand, even worse now. Um, I think the waiting list was huge for people and also completely inflexible. I met so many people who tried the NHS route, but because they couldn't make a particular slot, were just kind of pulled out of the process. Perhaps they were in rehearsals or production week, whatever it was. And private counselling always seemed too far removed for a lot of people or unaffordable. So everything for me pointed towards a need for a standalone mental health organisation in the arts industry. And that's where the idea for wellbeing in the arts came from. So all of that research I'd done, all those people I'd spoke to, all that fed into um, what we do as an organisation now. Mm. So we work with around 165 councillors across the UK, all of whom have worked in the arts themselves previously. So they understand the industry, which was a big thing that came up when I was speaking to people. We do lots of wellbeing work. Um, we do workshops, events, training, mental health training, surgeries. Um, we also try and raise awareness around mental health. And also we, because we are standalone by design, we can campaign on issues. So we can tackle perhaps those archaic workplace practices that mm. are the root cause of people's mental health issues in the industry. Mm. Wow. It's just amazing. It's it, it never fails to inspire me hearing people talk about, you know, their difficulties and, and how hard it got for them, but still wanted to make that change because it's not an easy thing to do when you're trying to balance everything yourself um so it thank you for sharing that story it's amazing um just to start with I'd love to ask you about um you personally and how you feel that you know you've said that you you can you can sense it kind of coming on you know when you need to give it some attention to keep it at arm's length I just wonder whether you're able to share with us anything that you feel really helps you so when you feel that you know starting to to that you called it the black cloud when it starts to appear what kind of things do you do um to really help yourself with that yeah I mean to be honest I had it this morning um I woke up this morning and I just had that feeling of not wanting to get out of bed um and again one of the symptoms of ADHD is being easily overwhelmed and I was just thinking about my day ahead and felt completely overwhelmed so again for me I'm fortunate now in that I know what I need to do to kind of work through that and the main thing for me is um diet's really important mm -hmm. um, I've learned a lot around about my diet um but also um I try and get out of the house or the office as much as I can. Yeah. Um, and so I actually go for a walk every morning just to kind of allow myself to relax, calm down. Um, most days I get up at five o'clock before my children get up and I have like an hour and a half just to kind of work through what's going through my head, um, write things down if I need to. Meditate is quite a big one, I find, or just being still and breathing. And just, I call it self-reflection rather than meditation. Just think, okay, what am I thinking and feeling today? Yeah, I like that. Um, so those are the things for me. Um, I feel like if distraction can be really useful, mm -hmm. if I feel like, okay, I'm, I feel like I'm struggling here. I used to sit in it and just, and I can feel it building and building. I'll just try and do something different. Yeah. Um, again, exercise kind of plays quite a big role. Go for a run or a walk mm -hmm. or go play a, a 
a bit of sport or something. Yeah. Um, again, I have I have books that I kind of go back to just to kind of reiterate to myself um, the positive thinking I'm trying to keep hold of because it's really easy to to kind of fall off the cliff into negative thinking and it feels like I'm forever walking along a coastal path and yeah. the land is, is 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 a positive version of myself and off the cliff edge is the negative and it feels like very often the kind of rocks are tumbling beneath my feet so I have to kind of just try and repeat my own mantras about um you know how things are okay things will work out and you know you're trying your best or whatever it is mm. um I think it's it's a daily challenge, I would say, mm. a daily challenge. And what's really interesting for me at the moment, because I'm also training as a, um, a psychologist because I enjoy the mental health aspect of oh, it all. Wow. That's amazing. Um, seeing my, I have a daughter who's eight and she's going through the process of being um, assessed for ADHD, ADD as well. But I can see some of my traits in her as an eight-year-old. Mm. And it's really interesting to kind of, see that and try and work through that with her mm. well that's amazing that you're you're doing that i don't know how you find the time for all of this why well, i look like crap most <laughs> not at all well we've just discovered that you get up at 5 a.m every day so that's partly why um summer. yeah um yeah that that's that's brilliant brilliant support for people to hear as well i think that's such a common theme through doing these interviews is is taking time for you kind of that self-care umbrella of getting outside whatever it is to you that makes you feel good um I like the reframing of meditation to self-reflection because I think the word meditation has just kind of become a little bit well it feels as if it's become inaccessible for some people because they don't know kind of what that means for them yeah. so I really love the self-reflection yeah um, I, I don't sit there and and my my partner for instance the Buddhist she will chant that's her thing but yeah, just self-reflection, just just kind of letting my mind wander and drift. Yeah. Um, and I think what you mentioned there, the idea of um, reframing, I think is is really useful as well. Yeah. Reframing has definitely become a word that I use the most when I'm when I'm doing anything in a well-being kind of world. It's just so useful because we're so used to saying the same things to ourselves or or whatever. And actually, when you step back and think you know, a lot of people use it as a, well, how would you say this to someone else? You know, yeah. so reframing how you talk to yourself, how you'd then give that advice to someone else, I think. Um, and self-acceptance is a yes. big one for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm somebody who would beat myself up because I, I could, for example, I could feel like this podcast has gone amazing for an hour, but I could sign off with just a really naff sentence and I'd feel like I've destroyed the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but now I've just had to force myself and it's forcing to just be like, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Or yeah. accept that I'm not very good at some things. Yeah. I, I hear that very often, um, from a lot of people and that's, that's my biggest thing is self-acceptance. And, mm -hmm. and I think it's really good for, for people who, um, work in the world, in, in the kind of wellbeing world to say that out loud, because I think sometimes it's easy to look at, um, people doing jobs like we're doing and having this chat here which is all about well-being and thinking that we have got it sussed and I just want to make it very clear now to everyone that I absolutely don't have it sussed <laughs> yeah, absolutely. and that's and that's good to say and absolutely I screw up all the time literally yeah. screw up all the time but that's human I think yeah 
Yeah. Again, an awareness of it helps you next time. But it's it's human to to you know make mistakes. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I wonder where it all comes from that that we we don't give ourselves a break enough. You know what? Why why do we turn to the to the kind of negative and the unkind with ourselves? I wonder where that starts. Um, I don't know. I think I think it depends on each individual. Mm. I think for me, I've through the counseling I receive every week, had to learn to sit in the uncomfortable where I felt a particular way about myself and rather than just avoid it, actually mm-hmm. sit in it and work through it. Yeah. And that's kind of helped me break through quite a lot of the boundaries. Don't be afraid of sitting in the uncomfortable thinking, I don't feel great about that. And explore that rather than just either say, oh, it's me and not to yeah. move on. Actually yeah. think about why I don't feel great. Yeah, absolutely. And when you mentioned there that you have counseling every week, is that that actually you you have counseling yourself every week? Yeah. So yeah. Um, amazing. So I'd had counseling before, um, maybe about five years ago, and then my mother passed away um, at Christmas, Christmas before last, and I wanted some counseling off the back of that because it was by complete surprise there's no she wasn't expected to happen i'm so sorry uh, uh, thank you and then um through that that's when i started to with my counts explore other things that had been going on with me in my past I ex- via really the the kind of lens of exploring my relationship with my mother um and that's where the idea of adhd came from as well it's my counselor who flagged it and then encouraged me to go get a formal assessment yeah Oh gosh, that's amazing. My so again, I've got no awareness or understanding of any of this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I had a spell of counselling uh, a few years ago and uh, yeah, it was the best thing I did. And and again, you know, the fact that we're having conversations, that's what it's about, you know, we just, uh, you know, fly the flag for sharing and, and having open, real conversations with people because it absolutely does help. It makes all the difference. Like you say, if, if your counsellor hadn't flagged that to you, then, you know, that wouldn't have been a path you'd have gone down. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the big challenges for me was when the first time I had to identify myself as neurodiverse, not neurotypical, and somebody used the word normal. Obviously, you're not normal. And I really don't like the word normal. What does it even mean? No. But it was really interesting how I viewed myself, and I've had to work on that because Mm -hmm. I think sometimes accepting that we need support or there might be something different about us is quite difficult to do because we want to be seen as similar to the people yeah. around us we don't want to be different a lot of times but I think difference is actually really good yeah I agree I agree absolutely agree um so I, I'd love to ask you how it's felt for you um setting something up that is so amazing and such a brilliant support for people how how has that felt for you knowing that you're making you know quite the difference you're heading up a, a team which is making a huge difference to people well first off you're really kind for saying all that <laughs> and again because you you say it but I don't necessarily believe it um again that's a that's part of it that's part of it yeah um it de- again, it depends on the day. Like some days it feels like really exhilarating and really exciting. Some days it's terrifying. And I think, yeah. oh my God, what am I doing? And, um, but that's it. I think just accepting that it does go up and down like that has mm-hmm. been a big, a, a big victory really. Um, but yeah, it feels, I think it feels nice to be doing something you want to do. Yeah. Um, I enjoy 
creating something new. I think it kind of scratches that creative itch I've always had. Mm. Um, and I think it's really needed. I think I've in a unique position of being an actor previously, had having mental health issues and being part of a charity helping people. I've seen the industry from all different sides. So I felt almost obliged to do something. Yeah. Um, but we've just been inundated with work, as I'm sure you could imagine. Um, we tend to work with organizations and through the organizations support their staff. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's been really busy and mm. keeping on top of it is tough and hearing what's actually happening out there as well for people, people's real lives is, yeah. is, I mean, I'm not afraid to say there's people I've met and it's brought me to tears because I've heard their individual stories. Yeah. It's tough out there. Yeah. Well, that, that, that leads us on to what I was going to ask you, which is um, obviously when both you and I were training and, and acting, it was just such a different world and people didn't talk about it. You know, I think now back to some people in my year group who, you know, we just thought were relatively, you know, just a bit, a bit off the wall. That's what you'd kind of say, just a bit wacky, a bit this. But actually, if we if we were doing that now, I would know much more about how to maybe approach them and just see if they were okay. And, you know, it, it feels a lot to admit that, but it's kind of true. You know, we, we weren't open to this then or we didn't really know about it. Do you think that um, it's changed a lot? Do you think that obviously we're seeing a, a huge um um, you know, need for support. But do you think that we're getting there? Do you think that, you know, particularly producers and people who are in the positions at the top of the hierarchy tree, although that's debatable, um, sorry to say that, um, is, it, is it changing? Is it, you know, what kind of a dent are we making in this? I'd say it's definitely changing. Um, how quickly is probably the debate. I think there's still a lot of people in the industry who are pulling the strings, who don't quite buy into it yet yeah i think there's still that feeling of well if you're not able to do the job i'll just get somebody else to do it because there's so many people waiting to do it yeah. um so supply is outstripping demand i think is, is a big issue um but i think the younger generations are definitely more aware of mental health issues than my generation are mm -hmm. were and certainly all generations are um i don't think it's seen as much as a weakness as it was previously yeah but one of the issues we have is perhaps the older generations are still in positions of power in the arts and do deem it to be a weakness. It's yeah. almost as, as um, woke almost in that type of way. Yeah. It's, a, it's a weakness that, you know, you can just pull through. Yeah. Um, and what we find is there's a lot of organisations who want to do something but didn't know what to do or how to do it. And we've managed to fill that gap for them. Yeah. Which is great. The challenges a lot of organizations who might do a little bit but nowhere near enough but i think that little bit is okay we've ticked that box that, that is enough yeah. but it's yeah. nowhere near enough yeah that that's what i feel like i'm seeing is that there's little bits of drops going in and it's getting shouted about quite a lot but it's nowhere near enough um, I think I had this discussion with a friend the other day about just, you know, one small section of it, which is kind of vocal well-being and vocal health, um, which, you know, for a lot of companies that, again, they just don't take seriously at all. So, you know, somebody who is kind of so-called forced to sing through to the end of the week on a, on a bad throw, 
that's then you know really detrimental to their career going forward but it's not being seen as as something important and actually for me if there was more a lot of it comes down to money doesn't it if there was more money available you would have a, a vocal coach attached to a show more than they are now making those calls rather than leaving it to you know with the best will in the world possibly you know really well-intentioned company managers you know to make the call whether they go on or not and I think it's exactly the same for the health and well-being of, of the company the whole company not just the actors the creators everybody somebody should be with them like for me if the money was there they should have someone somewhere on tour with them there should be people in the west end kind of supporting more than just like you say one workshop as a as a as a show opens yes that's a step forward but it's nowhere near enough yeah absolutely and I think that's some of the work we're doing at the moment is having people attached to shows um so be it touring or in the west end and the argument we always make is that early intervention is key i think a lot of organizations leave it to the point where the person can't work anymore or has a breakdown and then they've got to get expensive cover in whereby if you actually have well-being mental health support inside your building inside your company from the Mm -hmm. outset of a production you're running or whatever it is then all the issues can kind of be tackled early before they become bigger therefore you save money yeah Um, so i understand that finance is tight and that's really important that's definitely part of the way we work we're very understanding of that but the counter argument is like if we actually get support mechanisms in place as early as possible we can cut out all the the, the need for long therapy, et cetera, which mm. is quite expensive. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen so many shows actually losing performances because cast members, crew members have just had a breakdown, been unavailable, et cetera, and cost thousands and thousands, which we could have mm. prevented had we had the support in place earlier. Yeah. So I think there needs to be a culture change. I really do. Yeah. But I think the time is coming where it's going to happen. I really think that. Yeah, and that's a, a really good thing to kind of say that you really think it's happening because obviously you're working in that forefront of it and it's really good to hear that you think it's happening. I, I certainly see it around me, but but yeah, I, I would love to think that that change is happening and quicker. Yeah, and I think what's encouraging is we've had quite a few of the bigger organisations get in touch with us, like the National who we're working with, and say, look, yeah. we want to do something more than we're doing. Yeah. I think one of the benefits of working with wellbeing in the arts is we are separate from the workplace. So if people work for example, the national and need mental health support, they can come direct to us rather than go through their manager or a colleague. The point being that employees never know then who from their team has sought mental health support. So the individual doesn't feel like, Oh, I'm being judged by my manager. Mm. support. They don't know that the individual is getting support, which again came from all those meetings I had with arts workers when I was working for the charity yeah and seems to play really well yeah and it it, it sounds a little bit it sounds absolutely perfect by the way it's amazing what you're doing again just to say that but it also sounds a little bit um it's it's it has a slight sad edge that people feel like they have to hide it it, it does kind of go back to that whole kind of feeling of you know, we, we're not allowed to talk openly about it for fear of being judged. And I just wonder, you know, well, I'm hoping that the next generation that 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 really kind of, you know, fades away from them, because I just think it's still here for us. And that's such a big shame that it's that it's, it's seen as such a fear for people to to for anybody to know that they're struggling with their mental health or have had a history of mental health issues. 
Yeah, and, and there are people who are willing to speak about it, which is great. I think we need to do everything we can to kind of shine a light on those people. Because mm. I think the more we talk about it, I think the easier it is for other people to talk about it. It becomes, inverted commas, normal. Yeah. <laughs> I just like that word. Yeah. But it becomes more commonplace that we can talk about these things and, and not feel a way about it. Mm, absolutely. Um, so just as we're kind of coming to a close, um, what I'd love to do is for you to obviously um, share what can people do if they are feeling like they would need support in terms of, you know, your your website. How how can people easily access some support that they might need right now? Sure. Um, I mean, there's quite a few ways. Yeah. Um, I think certainly the first step is always just to say, like, I need some support. Um, and you can do that to us. Um, and when we can actually help you access that support, it could be that your organization is somebody we're working with and therefore you have access through that. Or it could be we help you access it by other sources mm-hmm. um, or through ourselves as well. Um, the best place to start is our website, um, wellbeingintheartsorguk And it hopefully clearly states everything that we do and how we do it. And it reiterates those points, which are that the support we offer is 100% confidential and nobody would know that you've been in touch. And the service is completely non-judgmental as well. I think that's really important. We're here to support. Um, but I think often the biggest first hurdle is just raising your hand and saying, like, I'm struggling, I can do with some support. Then after that, the following steps are always a little bit easier, I find. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. Thank you so much for that. And anybody who's listening, um, yeah, we'll put the information in the show notes as well so that people can go there um, as, a, as a quick link if they need to. And it is really important, as we've said, to just share and talk because that's the most important thing is that you just raise your hand and say, I need some support, I need some help. And, and it's absolutely 100% okay to do so. We, we've just said in the course of this conversation that we have both done that at times and feel so much more, um, you know, full because of it. Um, so yeah, hopefully for everyone listening and watching, they'll do the same. Um, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a brilliant conversation. You've been really open and really generous. So yeah, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on Wellbeing with Manny in conversation with, and thank you for being part of our community. It really is all for you. It's all purpose-driven. And I really hope that you've got something from the episode today. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to share it with anyone who you feel would benefit from hearing these open and real conversations. Please make sure that you are following and you are subscribed to make sure you never miss an episode, either on your app of choice or on YouTube. And if you can, please rate and review the channel. That would be so, so helpful because it helps other people find us. And finally, just remember that it is all about talking. It is all about sharing. So think, reach out. Who will you have a conversation with? Have a fabulous week. See you next week.